Good morning. I, I can hardly believe it's almost spring. Uh, time change. Uh, this is a crazy time, but you know what I like about it is we get sunshine in the evenings. And uh, we love to be outside. We do most of our eating outside. And when you've got five kids it's, and we don't have dogs, right? So some of you guys you have dogs. So you don't mind eating inside because the dogs clean up. That's, we love outside eating because everything hits the floor. And instead of always worrying about it, get that leaf blower out, you know, get it out into the grass so that the birds can enjoy. You know, some people have to buy bird feeders. We just, you know, we got birds all over the place. It's great. Um, but we love this time of year. And, and some of it is, I mean, like after hibernating in the winter, Sometimes we like meet our neighbors again. You ever do that? <laughs> like I haven't seen you for three months. I'm Jeremiah. You know, who are you today? So we, we just love this season. I hope you're enjoying it. I've got a confession to make to you. This week, I got to my sermon prep and I was sitting there going, ah, oh, man, can I just skip this one? Because if you, if you want to know in a pastor's shoes, next week I start my Easter sermon series. And that's like the playoffs for a pastor. I mean, that's like the one sermon series every, that you're dreaming about in, in June, that you're dreaming about in September, that you're thinking about how this year am I going to walk effectively people through the cross and the empty grave so that they want to live the rest of their lives with him. I mean, we think about that, and every Sunday is important, but that's where I was, and uh, I admit that I had that thought cross in my mind of, oh, I've got to preach this text. That was before I studied it. Some of you, I, I've told you this before, when you come up to me and you say, oh, I really enjoyed your sermon today. Remember how the sermon is always preached to the pastor first? That's the other side of the blessing of, of getting to do this work is every week God gets a great chance to shake me. And, and I had a shaking moment this week because this text is huge, so much so that if I get asked to guest preach some places, this might be a text that I use because of its impact and its ability to share the gospel concisely uh, and to, to be encouraged by it. I've never had a, a sermon, like I said, just jump out at me like this one did this week. Matter of fact, the only reason I wrote my booklet that I do is so that the guys in the back could follow along. This is really my, my sermon. I was able to even color code it and get it on a sheet of paper, which if you know me, I'm not an artist. That doesn't happen, but this week it did. Let me tell you why. This is why we've been looking at a finish line focus through the book of James. James told us from day one, this world is going to be hard. We're going to have trials and they're going to produce endurance for us. And we're going to get a crown of life if we endure to the end. And, and the major things we have to fight against is ourselves and our selfishness and the culture that we live in. But if we can hang on to the end, if we can stay focused on him, then we're going to be blessed in the end. And so we, we label this, even though he never talks about a race, even though he never talks about a finish line, our lives in this struggle struggling all the way to the end. That was kind of the mindset is how do we get to the end and how do we get to the end intact and how do we make sure that our finish at the end is a good finish that we're okay with, that we're pleased with. And today we're going to wrap it all up. But before we do so, I want you to turn to someone and share with them the answer to this question that will be on the screen. What is one thing that you think is vital for a great finish as it pertains to your faith? What is one thing that is vital to, your, to a great finish as it pertains to your faith? Go ahead and find a neighbor, or some of you might have to move a little bit. It's okay. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, 15 seconds each. What's one thing that's vital to a great finish as it pertains to your faith? 
This is free time to talk even. Yep. You go, whoa, what's that mean, right? And if you're struggling to come up with it, then this is, you're in the right place. What's one thing? All right, as we come back, whether you liked your answer, your neighbor's answer or not, I'm confident that we're going to grow that answer together as we drive to this point that we must strive for a great finish. Great finishes don't happen. There's something that we have to strive for. And James pulls out all stops as he gives us three vital reasons to strive for a great finish as he closes his book to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Let's look at those three vital reasons to strive for a great finish today. We're going to do so first by reading the text of Scripture that we're studying in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. This is what it reads. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth, and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the errors of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Huge passage of scripture today. Let's look at the first vital reason from this text to strive for a great finish. And that is this, a great finish is not dependent on where we are in the race right now. A great finish is not dependent upon where we are in the race right now. Sometimes we think things like, man, uh, if, if I'm going to get wealthy, I just need a higher paying job. Because wealthy people just make more money than I make. We don't understand the discipline of living within our means. And the one thing that rich people have in common is that they've got more money than they've spent. Starting point, right? Spiritual equity is the same place. We've got to get to a place where we understand our calendar, where we understand our means, where we understand our community, and we've got to live within our ability and our means so that we can make greater impact long term as we are disciplined. Uh, and that's the core of discipleship is that discipline. But it doesn't matter where we are in the race right now. Jesus points out through James here that we can all still have a great finish. How do you know that, Jeremiah? Five times in this passage, see, originally, this is why you get the Greek out sometimes. Originally, I thought there was only four, um, but there is a fifth time that we get this um, pronoun of anyone or any or someone that reminds us of five different stages that you might be in the race right now. 
The first one we see right there in the beginning. Uh, but before we get there to those, sorry, there are two critical truths about the race that we want to lay as a, relay as a foundation. Number one, unlike a marathon or other earthly competitions, the distance that we all cover is not going to be the same in the marathon of our faith and life, right? Eternity, the end point is going to go on forever, but our starting points were at different times, right? And because they were at different times, the distance of our journey is going to be different. And so some of us might get uh, 40 years, some of us might get 80 years, some of us might get 10 years uh, or less or more, right? And I've grieved with families at all sides of the spectrum from, from infants to uh, accidents as teenagers, buried children that we pulled out of rivers and watched moms uh, hanging on to their lifeless bodies. We've seen it all and done it all when you do this work. And it doesn't matter. Our race is what it is. We get different amounts of time. And we need to understand this. This isn't a race where we compare. I'm not going to compare my race to your race because my race is about the distance that God gives me to run. And I've got to be faithful to that distance. Does that make sense? Let's just lay that as a foundation. This isn't a comparison with others because really our race isn't about us when we see it in the end. The second thing is this. Our finish is more important than our start. We live in a world that really wants to emphasize uh, economical um, divisions and, and starting places. We still uh, judge people based on race and on uh, skill set, on education level, right? Where, where we're going, you know, well, they didn't go to school or oh, they, they, they cheated. They went the military route or, or they've got no education at all. And, and we've got these preconceived ideas of what is right and what is good and what is normal that we throw out there at different people. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter where we started. It doesn't matter where you started is what's going to matter is where you finish. And that's what we're going to see in these three vital reasons. And we see that predominantly in this place. It doesn't matter where you are right now. And it does not matter how you got to where you are right now is what's going to determine the great finish is what you do because of where you are right now. And this is why we know that five times we see statements in the Greek, the word for this is tis, right? Tis, meaning anyone or someone. And these are the statements uh, I'm on the screen you're going to see from the Christian Standard Bible. But look at them. What are your statements? Underline or circle these five anyones and notice their position where they are in the race. The first one, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? Kakopatheo. This isn't just suffering, pathos. This is the kako, uh, the bad or evil suffering. And so we don't know, is this evil because, uh, or suffering because of the evil that we've done, or is just the suffering itself so bad? Uh, and this evil suffering, when we look at the context of James, we know with certainty this is dealing with the spiritual struggle, with the miseries that we talked about last week, that with, with the, uh, the struggle, the reason why it's not going to be something short, but something that we have to endure to the end, even if our spiritual journey what is it that makes this life so tough is anyone among you suffering and we can many of us say hey that's me our ears are up but he goes on to say even in the in the next verse or later on in the same verse is anyone cheerful and some of us are there right we've gotten good news 
Maybe it was a health report. Maybe it was uh, a new job or a bump in pay or uh, a friend that reconciled with us or we heard from our parents again or there's something that's good in life right now. The Jayhawks are back on top, right? I mean, something is good and we just feel cheerful even if it's minute, whatever it is. But some of us are in that place of cheer. He goes on to say in verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Now this word uh, is the word referencing to our physical weakness or illness. And so what, what is, are we hindered because of, of our abilities physically? Is that where we are in this race? And then we see in verse 19, uh, the fourth one, my brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth, Maybe you're here and, and you once were walking with Christ. Maybe um, it didn't matter where you were, but now you're in this place where you feel like you've strayed. You've wandered from the truth. And the fifth test comes on the other side of it and just says, and someone. Or if anyone else, we might translate it as, notices you straying from the truth over there, what, what do we know? What's indicative of this person? This person brings them back. So what do we know about this person? This person is walking on the right path. This person is not turned away. So it doesn't matter where we are on the journey. Are we suffering uh, be evilly or because of evil or it's just tough? Are we excited? Man, things are going well. Are we physically dying? We're all closer to heaven now than ever before because mortality rates are 100%. We're closer there than ever before. So we can all argue we are dying. And as we get closer, sometimes we feel the effects of what that is. The last one, or the, the last two, maybe we feel like we've turned away and maybe we feel like we are walking with the Lord. And regardless of of where we are, we've got to understand that from that position, where we are right now does not determine the great finish. Even if we feel like we're on the right path right now, I want you to know and hear and understand that this does not determine the great finish. But I also don't want you to miss, why can we say at the refuge that we are restoring relationships with God one life at a time? Because we agree every life matters because anyone has been all of us at some point, right? We are all in one of those five areas right now. That's why this is relevant to all of us. So anyone, it doesn't matter where you are on the race right now. Because all of us are in one or more of these places right now. Here's the kicker, though. We need to go back to chapter one to remind ourselves that our current place does not necessarily determine our finish. There may be more obstacles, and it is going to be tough. But remember this from James chapter 1, verse 12. Go back. Yeah, you can underline this too. I add the emphasis. So your Bible is not going to have a highlighted, underlined, uh, emphasized portion. So I'm just trying to make a point. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Maybe we don't emphasize that enough. See, the struggles will, will fade, I promise you that. And the joys will multiply. The pains that we are feeling will numb. The path that, that we're lost on will get found because when we're in the right path, it's going to pave the way for others as we bring them into the right path when 
when our focus is on Christ, if our focus is on the struggle, if our focus is on our own joy, then it's about us. Woohoo, we're cheerful, right? If our focus is on our physical pain and illness, if our focus is on whatever's taking us astray, or maybe our focus is on a pride that, hey, I'm in the right. I am righteous, Jeremiah, right? I mean, as though that's going to get me closer to heaven. No. What did, what did we read in Deuteronomy 8 earlier? We've got to be careful not to get proud. But when our focus is on Jesus Christ, all of these things are going to come together. In other words, we must stop racing for ourselves. This race of life has never been about us. But when we learn to run for Christ, when we wake up every day following Him and seeking His will and ways, we will find a freedom that does not end at a grave, but instead one that will well up to the greatest benefit and after party we could ever dream of. The greatest finish is not dependent upon where we are right now. It is dependent on who we are running for. Do you love the Lord? Do you show him with your every action, following him in obedience as a display of your faith? That is what a great finish requires. But it's got to start where we are. So let's look at the second vital reason to strive for a great finish. And that's this. A great finish is developed by a commitment to communicate with God. A great finish is developed by a commitment to communicate with God. Notice in every position or disposition, following God and being intimately involved in relationship with Him. We're not isolated from Him. He is ever present in all of those. And in every one of those circumstances, our commitment to communicating with Him is what's going to help increase a great finish for us. Namely, when we are together with Him forever in heaven. Much of the atheistic and agnostic movements of faith or lack thereof have caused a cultural view of God being a distant God. He's just far out, man. He's, he's way out there. He's someone that we can't really get in contact with. Our youth group this week, we studied uh, in Luke chapter 11 this last week. And I didn't get a time to share with them my bottom uh, of the page fun thought. Are any of them in here today, Hallie? Did you throw away that paper? Did you see my fun thought at the bottom of the page Wednesday night? You remember it? Was it a good one? Okay, I didn't share it, so I'm glad you read it. But this is what I wrote on there. As I was preparing the sermon for that on communication with God, I got to see the text just come out to me today or this week in this text in the communication with God and how important that was. I loved how they came together. And this was the fun thought that I had that I shared with the youth group. With the youth group. I, as I was preparing this sermon last, that lesson earlier this week, it made me think of how impressively large our universe is. Have you ever just stopped and thought about that? This is why it's so impressive and large. The light is our fastest moving energy form. So we measure distance by the speed of light. We have vocabulary ideals like light years. Because as fast as light moves, the universe is so vast that it cannot get to us for years. 
And yet light is fast. Anybody agree? Light is fast. You flip a switch, we see it immediately. We don't have to wait unless we've got those candlescent bulbs, you know, and then they get warmer over time. You know, you know what I mean, right? Light is fast. As fast as light is, don't miss this. As fast as light is, the speed of prayer is faster. Eternally faster. Infinitely faster. Because God hears immediately whether he is near or far. And I believe he is near and far because he is big and awesome. And as awesome and cool as light is because God is light and he made light, right? All of those things are true. But the speed of prayer is right now fast. Because prayer travels infinitely faster than light. Look back at the encouragement for communication with God. In this text today, I hope you have this text laid out and should be underlining these phrases. Regardless of our position, disposition, the race. If we are suffering bad, if, if it's a tough race right now, what should we do? Verse 13, we should pray. Man, if things are going well, we're cheerful. What do we do? We sing praises. Why do we sing praises when things are going good? Because when we stop singing praises to God, we will start thinking that we deserve this. That I did it for myself. I did it on my own. I got what I had coming to me. I won the race. But when we do that, it's about us. When we sing praises to God, our victories are His victories. We understand our role in this relationship and we are communicating with God, the very source of that victory and the very one that receives the glory for that victory. In verse 14, what happens if we are physically ill? We call for the elders of the church and that takes action, right? And, and we got to know that the elders are not uh, more glorified than anybody else, but they have a position of pastoral or shepherding authority and opportunity to go to God on our behalf. And so that's why we're encouraged to go to them. And I invite you, if you're in that place, call on us. We're going to come. We're going to pray with you because the scriptures tell us we are to do this. And we've already known that. Those are things that are part of the, the plan and the deal. But they are to pray. But notice in verse 14, they are not just to pray, but they are and who do you pray to? Obviously to God. And we are also praying, it says, and in the name of the Lord. It's not just a, a, a speech. This is something that we get to do on behalf of God. Uh, Kristen, she's not bothering anybody but you, girl. Yeah, I mean, hang out in the back. Of you, or, and I mean, or right up here with me. I'll hold her if I have to. I just, I like you. And, and I like Briella too. Glad you're here. Here's, here's the deal. Verse 15, the prayer of faith. See, a lot of times people hear this and they're like, yeah, I want to be a righteous guy like that, be able to pray. I want to be a righteous gal like that, you know, be able to pray so that God hears my prayers faster or better or more efficient. That's not in the text. But when we pray, the Lord does the saving Read that verse in context right there, verse 15. The prayer of faith is going to save the sick person. And notice the continued action. And the Lord, who's doing the action there? And the Lord will raise him up. What's that meaning? 
what is God concerned with? We're going to get there in, in just a moment. Let's not get, get down the road too far. Let's just notice the commitment to praying to God so that he can work. Notice what it says. It goes on to say in verse 16, confess your sins to one another. But we don't do it to one another only. How do we know? Because it says and. This and doesn't mean that we separate it. It doesn't mean that we just can have a choice to do one without the other. And means that at the time that we've confessed to one another, we also pray. And again, who are we praying to? God. We've confessed to one another and we pray for one another. Because this is vital. And when we learn the art of communicating with, with a family that is safe, why do we say we grow in community? Because iron sharpens iron, we read in, in uh, Proverbs 27, 17. And we've got to be sharp, right? We've got to be on point and ready for whatever is going to come at us. And that happens best when we get together, when we confess our sins to one another, and when we pray for one another which is all communication with God. And so we're even seeing that this, this involves some sort of small group and corporate interactions. And then verse 19. I struggled with this, but I, I really believe in verse 19. The someone turning the other back is just a vessel. If we find somebody who's off course and we're on the path, we go to them and we let Christ work through us. He's the one working. And he's the one that's going to bring them back. Who are we disciples of? Who are we followers of? We are followers of him, friends. And if we miss what this communication looks like in the activity of God turning us back as we give and receive in this beautiful relationship with him. That's always for him and for his glory. There is zero power in the person doing the praying or the praising. I've heard many people emphasize the righteousness of the one praying in, in this text as though they were righteous apart from God. God in us is our righteousness. That's righteousness literally means being in a right relationship with God. We are following God in the right way. It's about him in us. That's what righteousness is. We cannot be righteous apart from God. To make the point, James even wants to make sure that we understand this. He reminds us of an important story in verses 17 and 18. If you've never read the story, I, I invite you, go to First Kings, or yeah, First Kings this week chapter 17 and 18, and read about Elijah, read about the Mount Carmel story, uh, his praying and the literally not raining for three and a half years, and then after Mount Carmel and 400 prophets of Baal get killed. I mean, this is rated R stuff. You've got to read these, these stories in the Bible. It's awesome. Um, and, and at the end of it, uh, what happens? He prays again. He literally puts his head between his knees and tells his buddy three times to go, look, is there is there a cloud? Is there a cloud? Is there a cloud? Finally, there's a cloud, and he decides he's going to run back to Jerusalem 26 point some miles, like a marathon distance, and he outruns the king and his chariots. It's a great story. You've got to read it. Um, but Elijah, how do you start the, the verse in, in, um, in our text today? Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect, Elijah was a human being just like you and me. 
What made Elijah righteous? He was right with God. God was working through Elijah. That's the point James is making. Don't miss the point. Don't put too much emphasis on the flesh here. As we go to make that point go home, prayer's power is in the one we're praying to. And if that is anyone or anything less than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to find greater struggle in our race, and our finish is going to fall short of our hopes. The kingdom advances faster when our service is in the name and for the glory of the anointed King, Jesus Christ. He has taught us to pray, and He wants us to be in constant fellowship with Him. We don't have to worry about time travel and if He'll get the message on time. The speed of prayer is infinitely fast. This is what Jesus also said, and I want to default to his words right before he shared with us the Lord's Prayer. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. The Father, your Father, knows the things you need before you ask him. Sometimes we're worried. Is he going to hear it? Friends, he already knows. Even when we're distant from him, he has seen it all, he knows it all, and he loves you. He's just ready for you to turn to him and use your commitment to communicate with him to develop a greater finish in your life and in my life. Let's look then at the third vital reason to strive for a great finish, and that's this. A great finish is determined by the state of our relationship with God at the finish. A great finish is determined by the state of our relationship with God at the finish. Unfortunately, the North American church in specific, in attempt to be relevant, in attempt to be attractive, has taught a gospel that separates our conversion. Jesus is Savior, right? Just pray a prayer. Let's just make it easy. We just got to make it easy for people because people, they don't want to come to church. So how do we make it easy for them? If we can just make it easy, but what we win people through is what we win them to. And we win them to a gospel that Jesus didn't preach. We win them to an idea that Jesus did not command. Because we want to water this thing down, we make it about conversion, and we miss this greater importance of discipleship. We want to make Jesus Savior, and we miss an opportunity to make Him the Lord of our lives, where we realize that, you know what, i got to follow you, otherwise I'm following me. And our story is either going to be wrapped up in Him, or it's going to be wrapped up in me. And we've got to understand that fundamental difference. It's as though... Hey, just, just, you know, make it easy. Your account is settled. We'll see you next week. We leave feeling empty when that happens, though, right? Have you ever been in a worship service? Maybe even here at the refuge. We have had times where maybe I presented the gospel week, and you've walked away saying, oh, but now what? And when that happens, that's Jeremiah speaking. We've got to know that we're following Jesus, not Jeremiah. We don't follow a denomination or the name of a church on the outside of a building or a sign outside the building. We are following Jesus, right? And we've got to understand what that means for us all along the way. The point is this. God invites us into relationship with him that is permanent, that is whole. He wants to be intimately involved in every area of your life. There is no separation of faith and life in the way that our culture wants to separate church and state. We can't do it. We are either for him or we're against him. 
Jesus makes it very clear. Notice the statements, though, of the standing and why the finish of our race is, is more important. Back to racing terms. God does not seek our confidence so that he can sponsor our race as though we can parade his name and make his name greater. But friends, some of us, we have felt like that's our relationship. God is sponsoring me. You go to a third world country, you will be, I promise you, if you're an American, you will be approached by people that ask you to sponsor them. Will you sponsor me? Will you help pay for my college so I can take the next steps in advancing my life? Will you sponsor me? And sometimes that's, that's our, our ask of God. Hey, God, will you sponsor me? Because, uh, you know, if you do this, I'll, I'll help you out too, you know. Because really it's about me. I mean, if you make me better, uh, I'll, I'll deflect some of it back to you. At the end of the game, I'll say, and thanks to God, as well as I thank my parents, you know, so that they're all on the same plane. But no, that's not what it's about. God's not asking for a sponsorship opportunity. But he does want us to be on his team and to race on his team, which will include taking his name, and taking every single step with him, allowing him to guide us and help us to the greatest finish we could ever have. These are the statements of this standing with God in our text. Look at verse 15. When the elders pray over the sick person, it says the prayer will what? save the sick person. I love, I love that God takes temporary things to the eternal. Save them. That doesn't mean make them well. Why do I know that? Because it goes on to talk about that. Also in verse 15, the Lord will raise him up, and if he has any sins, he will be forgiven. What's this mean? The Lord will raise him up at the resurrection, at the second coming. When Jesus comes back, we will be raised. If we've fallen asleep or died before that happens, we are going to be raised with the others. If you don't know what that means or looks like, 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 15 will get you there as well, as well as the book of Revelation as we've discussed. But Jesus is coming again as he's promised, and there is an order to what that's going to look like and feel like and be like. We don't have to wonder about it completely. Sure, we've never seen it before, so it's going to be bigger than what our imaginations can comprehend based on the letters of the text. But we can have an idea and know that he is faithful to do what he's promised. And he's coming back and we're going to go, to go be with him. That is what raising him up means. Not just getting up out of bed. How do we know that? Because of what he goes on to say. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. In the same vein, in verse 16... Because of the prayer, he may be healed. And that the prayer itself is powerful in its effect. Why is the prayer powerful? There's not power in the prayer, but the one to whom we pray. God wants to powerfully work in and through you. I think some, the, the biggest thing that we've neglected as, as the church, and I'm not talking about the Refuge Christian Church, I mean the church, the, body makes it, uh, the Bible makes it singular, right? There's one body. The church has lost and misunderstood the fact that, that the very God who raised Jesus from the dead wants to live in you and me, and he invites us to pray on his behalf so that that power can be effective through us. Scary, right? 
Do we care about his mission and getting outside of our comfort zone? The next time you pray, pray in the name of the Lord your God. And see if he'll work. Don't do it in your name. The answer will be no. Let the Lord work through us. Verse 19. Turns him back. Some of us have been there. We strayed. Chapters like Luke 15 come to mind and the prodigal son has returned. But he comes home. I know a lot of parents that they, they lose sleep at night because they're concerned about their raised children and where they've gone. And they pray for them to turn back. And if we as earthly parents have that pain, what does God who paid so much more feel? Does he want them to turn back? You better believe it. And he takes us back every time not wanting us to leave, but wanting us to follow and to stay close. And let the person know that helps turn him back, that whoever turns the sinner from the air of his way will save that person's soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Friends, these are statements of God wanting to take care of our eternal state. All of these statements. Yes, does God care about the temporary? Yes, he will. He cares about healing us, especially if we can use advantage of, uh, take advantage of that opportunity to show us the grandeur of his glory and that he wants to be with us forevermore. That's the beauty of this text. Isn't that a beautiful text? Don't miss that God wants to restore us so that we can run with him, following his direction. Sometimes that will involve the help of others, and often he'll put into our path people that need help from us along the way. The greatest help of which is redirecting to the importance of responding to the eternal kingdom invitation, letting the king rescue them and following the king Jesus Christ ourselves and inviting them to do the same for the rest of our lives. Do you know where you are in your relationship with Christ and what you have left for this life? Your starting point doesn't matter. Where you are right now isn't going to determine your finish. Have you been committed to communication with God so that he can direct your life and develop a better finish for you and reveal his power? That's where our, our commitment needs to begin, regardless of where we are. Even if we feel like we're racing well, we need to understand that our racing well now is going to be so that others can be brought in too. Because if we're racing well and we're still selfish, then we're not racing well, friends. I want, want you to know that in accordance with the text, that is the truth. We need to begin looking for those who've turned away and bringing them back. How's your relationship with God? Do you love him? Have you shown him by faithfully following him, confessing your sins and being forgiven? Bottom line today is this, regardless of where you are right now, surrender your past, your present, and your future to Christ, and he will carry you to the greatest finish. Regardless of where you are, 
if we will surrender our past, our present, and our future, Jesus would have said it in these words in Mark 8.34 or in Luke 9.27. Take up your cross. In Luke, he says, daily. And follow me. But before that, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily in Luke and follow me. Not an occasional, not a sometimes. Every day, without complaint or excuse and regardless of the cost, all in surrender. We can all finish better than where we are right now. And that's the surrender that he asks of us. Let's pray. I invite the worship team to come. They just sounded so good today. And I apologize, I preached long again, dang it. Lord in heaven, we thank you for your word. That it speaks to us. We thank you that God, where we are right now, is not a surprise to you because you know the corruption in this world. You know the things that we struggle against and the things that we even get excited about oftentimes which are things that don't matter to you. And yet, God, you want everyone in this room and everyone outside of this room to have a great finish in a righted relationship with you. And we inside of this room understand from your scriptures that that is going to involve us racing a better race, having a better finish, and inviting others into that better finish. And so, God, I pray that this week we would spend time in a commitment letting you invade our every moment our every conversation our every decision we would surrender our passions and the things that we would wish to do that we would let you pay for our past that we would give you the right to ruin our schedule even this week And that, God, we would be open to a new calendar for the days ahead because we are yours and we follow after you. And we ask that you would get the glory as we finish better than we started in Jesus' name.